Welcome to another episode of the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast. As always, it's your host, Brandon. And on today's episode, we're going to be looking at the NFL schedule and the implications that may have on fantasy football. What kind of plans can we have based on this schedule release that occurred? And it's going to be kind of an interesting scheduling just navigation from a fantasy football standpoint just because of the amount of flexing the NFL has given themselves the ability to do with games. Uh, This could get really dicey, especially for players and coaches. So this might be an interesting test case this season for how that's going to get implemented. I still imagine the top guys in fantasy football will still perform as the top guys in fantasy football. But I think that depth is going to be a big component of building a successful fantasy football roster this season, which is what we'll dive into in regards to this uh, this schedule release. It's definitely interesting from that standpoint. We'll take a look at what some of the Vegas lines say, who has the easiest schedule, and who has some of the best scenarios set up for them from game to game to game, because who knows imagine you know playing a monday night game and then going into a sunday game or having a sunday game going into a thursday game there's tons of different scenarios that can get uh put into the equation here now Uh, we have a game being played on black friday so lots of stuff going on with the nfl schedule so without further ado uh this is a solo episode so i'm just gonna hit the intro and i'll see you on the other side So the NFL implemented more flexible scheduling opportunities for themselves this year to get more strategic TV positions, viewership in strategic uh, TV market locations throughout the league this year. It's going to get interesting. So for flexible schedule, um, Sunday night football, it can be used twice between weeks five through ten and at the NFL's discretion during weeks 11 through 17. Whatever NFL's discretion means, that's going to be one to watch for because uh, when they have that bargaining chip, they will use it. For Monday night football, it may even be used at the NFL's discretion uh, in weeks 12 through 17. That's wild. The Monday night component, there are going to be some there are going to be some coaches and players that are not thrilled about that, especially say, for example, you had been preparing for a certain thing to happen and now you have an extra day. Now, this could also be a good thing. Say you have a player that is injured, get an extra day to recover, uh, get to recovery accordingly, and then all of a sudden they'll be ready to go Monday night, whereas potentially they might have not have been ready in their Sunday slate schedule. So this is kind of an interesting wrinkle that the NFL has given themselves the opportunity to do. So, and the games that are on Sunday night are uh, still on NBC and Monday night um, is ESPN or ABC and are tentatively scheduled to change. So um, they are, everything's tentative right now, especially it seems like once we hit week five. So, 
um, it's it's going to be fair game for the NFL. So the only uh, only the Sunday afternoon games um, or those listed to be determined are eligible to be moved to a Sunday night or Monday night flex game um, in which the initially scheduled Monday slash Sunday night game would be moved to Sunday afternoon. So that's kind of definitely a, a frustrating element to this. If I'm a team that's preparing for a game or I think I have that extra amount of time for a Monday night game, now I don't. And and or I think that I'm playing at a certain time on Sunday and I'm actually playing Sunday night. That could be really interesting, especially in locations in the NFL where the weather changes drastically from the day to the night, thinking, i.e., Green Bay Packers or any team for that matter that plays outdoors, that could get dicey for certain teams, Chicago even, New York, Buffalo. So I'm wondering, is the NFL also doing this potentially to, uh, for weather's sake? I'm not sure, but that could also be a factor as well. So the NFL definitely gave themselves a very uh, lucrative out for certain scheduling components. Um, Sunday afternoon games may also be moved uh, between 1 p.m. and the 4.05 slot and the 4.25 p.m. Eastern time. So um, I'm in Central, but I'm going to read this as if it's Eastern because that's what most people, well, most TV markets uh, do it as. So in the TBD games, uh, week 15, three of the five designated matchups will be played on Sunday with the remainder to be played uh, oh, three. sorry about that. Three of the five designated matchups will be played on Saturday with the remainder to be played on Sunday. Specific dates and start times designated for week 15 matchups will be determined or announced later in the season. And in week 18, two games will be played on Saturday at 4.30 p.m. Eastern time and one at 8.15 p.m. Eastern time with the remainder played on Sunday at the regular... Uh, at the regular time slots, and one matchup will be played on Sunday night accordingly. And this, this is going to be really interesting, too, because this is the first time we're really getting shafted as fans here because not only do you need a separate internet streaming subscription for the Thursday night game now with Amazon Prime, but there's also going to be a game played on Peacock now, the NBC affiliate, which is also another wrinkle into this. So as a fan, this kind of sucks, especially if you're paying for the NFL Sunday ticket on YouTube TV, which I would recommend everybody get before June 6th. Otherwise, you will be um, you'll be SOL having to pay that full over $300 price tag on that ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching for the NFL and YouTube TV. So it's not this is not ideal um from a tv standpoint local tv markets are definitely getting uh not getting prioritized and i just think that's sad for the everyday fan because th- if these games are getting played in local markets they should be accessible to the local markets even though they're getting streamed on the internet uh and that was kind of the nice part about having those games on nfl network and it's all a money at this point i mean at least these games are a lot more accessible than the nba it seems like the nba has really pigeonholed themselves in a situation that is not conducive to 
the everyday market or cable watcher slash uh i don't know dish direct tv consumer it's just not feasible and this is i don't know if the nfl will see a bump in ratings or a decrease in ratings because it seems as though everybody wants that direct to consumer data especially in media right now and the best way for them to do that is to have a subscription service model so they can really gauge how interested are these fans in this game. So that's why they're putting it on, games on Peacock, putting games on Amazon Prime. This is this is all feeds into the data machine that they want from customers. And they want that customer data to see what kind of synergies for advertising and things like that. Because it does make advertising more lucrative simultaneously. It's just frustrating all around um, for local TV markets. And also, there's not going to be an NFC, AFC, Fox, CBS segregation, apparently. It used to all, you know, we grew up, or, you know, at least I grew up always thinking NFC is going to be on Fox and AFC is CBS. Well, apparently, that is a thing of the past and it is all going to be all over the place. Um, I'm not opposed to it, but it's just going to be different. And so, that's something that will be interesting. I will like the change in announcers from time to time, even though I'm not as big of a fan as Tony Romo, and I'd much rather have the Greg Olson slot than the Tony Romo slot. But I guess it, you know, from from the network standpoint, they get more coverage for more teams. So it's uh, it's truly how you look at it, I suppose. I'm like I said, I'm having a difficult time swallowing this pill. The NFL's kind of throwing our way it's probably not as bad as i'm making it out to be um after all i do kind of like the youtube tv move for the nfl for the sunday ticket but i'm just speaking out from the everyday consumer it stinks that people just can't pay to watch their own team's games without paying for everybody's games and it just stinks that the the amazon prime and the peacock's are of the world are getting more game opportunities when the local TV market does not have the same opportunity to broadcast the game. Um, I think that this exclusive rights is not good for the everyday consumer for those games that are not going to be available to them. So that's my take on it. I'm pretty sure I share a sentiment with a lot of people and I hope that resolutions can come to this because it just is frustrating if I'm a fan of one team and I only want to watch my team's games because everybody else's game is great and maybe I'll watch it if my team's game's not on. But if I live out of out of my team's TV market and I don't have access to it, it's a little frustrating. So yeah, that and you know, I, I feel for those fans that are that are gonna have to pony up and pay for the whole package if they want to do that. But um, you know, here here because I'm a fantasy football guy, I'm probably gonna pay for the whole package. So without uh, without further ado, let's kind of look at the schedules here and see um, see some things that were kind of interesting. So I'm gonna talk about the top five easiest schedules and what we can capture here from uh, ease of schedule standpoint and what this might mean for fantasy football. So the top, uh, so I'm on sharp football analysis. I have, I really like Warren Sharp's stuff here. 
he does a good job of consolidating all of the the betting information out of Vegas um, to uh, yeah, the wager numbers. And he also does kind of like strength the schedule visualizations. And that is a huge uh, beneficial tool that a lot of people have access to. So um, I I like Warren Sharp's book. I've purchased it for the first time last year, um, the football guide, and it was great. Um, it was definitely one of my one of my favorite tools to use for fantasy football, and I couldn't recommend it enough. Um, I know they don't sponsor this show, but it's still it's still a tool that I I thoroughly recommend people look at because it gives you really good NFL team analysis at a level that is uh, pretty high. So breaking it down, looking around, they Warren Sharp says that the team that has the best uh, strength of schedule is um, is New Orleans. And they have a big improvement on this from last year when they were the 18th strength of schedule. And if we want to look at kind of where the Saints are, I think they're the Saints are beneficiaries of being in a weaker division. That will help them exponentially uh, this season. So if we look at who they have, I mean, shoot, they have... They 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 have their division, the NFC South, and then they have the AFC South. They are playing as well, so that is extremely beneficial for them from that standpoint. The AFC South obviously not being as strong either, so that could be really interesting for Derek Carr, and that could really be beneficial because we're looking at a sample size of close to ten games that have a high probability of success for the New Orleans Saints. And that also could be extremely well for Jamal Williams. If Elvin Kamara is suspended for a significant amount of time, Jamal Williams, Kendra Miller, Rashid Shahid, Michael Thomas, Chris Olave, Juwan Johnson, great fantasy options potentially. I need to see more from Derek Carr and Dennis Allen duo there. Um, obviously they were not very successful in Oakland and now they're reunited. So th- this, this will be an interesting schedule considering they have the, they have the easiest, uh, they have the easiest one according to the league of record um, based on the wager information. So yeah, this, this should be fun. Um, I, I'm not positive, but it's, it's not the worst situation to be in at all. If I am, the New Orleans Saints. So now they could be incredibly average or below average, but you know, you play who's on your schedule and the Saints have the easiest one by a long shot too. It's, it's not even close. So then um, (laughs) birds of a feather here for the easiest schedules. Um, The NFC South one, two, and three Atlanta Falcons are the second Carolina Panthers, number three. So that could be really good for Bryce Young. And if you want to splash in your fantasy league, Bryce Young having the third easiest schedule according to where where uh, Sharp Analysis has them, that could be very interesting. And they, I honestly think they have a chance at winning the division just because 
I'm sure that Frank Reich has something he needs to prove. Bryce Young is a very capable quarterback, and they have a very good offensive line. So it's it's something to consider. So you and you obviously have some great fantasy options there as well. Uh, in Miles Sanders, potentially Terrace Marshall, uh, maybe a breakout year for him. Jonathan Mingo for rookies. Um, I don't know if he's necessarily startable right now where Jonathan as Mingo stands today, but maybe because Bryce Young has the opportunity to elevate his stock, that makes him a better buy than where we're seeing it right now. Um, yeah, so it's it's super beneficial for these uh, NFC South teams that they're playing all of these AFC South teams to boot, and that will go extremely well. And we could see some overinflated records here as well. Um, with that being said, though, this might also be this might also be good for the AFC South. The AFC South teams could have equally improved in Jacksonville. So it's interesting how um, Vegas has the NFC South weighted heavier than the AFC South when I find that both divisions have a similar amount of like mid to them. Just I'm not sure who to expect to come out of the NFC South and it could actually be a nine win team. Um, I don't, I can't really pick one team over the other. They all have their own inefficiencies in their own special ways that will expose themselves in some capacity unless everything just works out perfectly, which you never know. Sometimes it does, especially when the schedule breaks your way, like supposedly new Orleans is, but in the interim, that's that's where the chips fall. And uh, Atlanta, you have a really great rushing attack now with Algier and Bijan Robinson. So that's that could be lethal as well. I'm not sure what version of Kyle Pitts we're getting, but he's extremely undervalued right now in terms of what his potential might be. And then, of course, you have Drake London, who has tremendous upside and... Desmond Ritter might be worth a dart throw, depending on what you need. Desperate times, desperate measures in a dynasty league. We all threw the dart with Geno Smith last year. You heard me on the podcast if you've been listening that long. Uh, who's to say Desmond Ritter is going to be that bad? Uh, he's got dual threat capacity. He's not the best runner, but he's not afraid to run either. Um, and then going down the line here, Indianapolis Colts, um, forecasted as the fourth uh, most favorable strength of schedule, according to Warren Sharp. And that could be really good for Anthony Richardson, Josh Downs, Jonathan Taylor, um, Deion Jackson, potentially. One-two punch there if Jonathan Taylor's out. Or if you're the Jonathan Taylor owner, I would be going after Deion Jackson just in case I need a running back. Uh, and Deion, Johnson, Deion Jackson actually performed very well when Jonathan Taylor was out last year. So... Those are some things to consider. I'm not really looking at the tight end room for Indianapolis. Jelani Woods and Moali Cox, uh, just uh, as the as the fantasy footballers affectionately call them, the Gigantors. Uh, it, they just they're big dudes. They're not fantasy assets, though. They're going to have that week in the season where one of them scores a touchdown or two, depending on where the matchups are. But if we can 
know anything about Shane Steichen and what he did with the Eagles last year. Now that he's being in charge of the Colts, I anticipate Anthony Richardson is going to be a rusher, but he's still going to have to pass quite a bit. I'm going to be very curious to see what a different quarterback can do with Shane Steichen because Jalen Hurts is is uh, is he's kind of an enigma. Uh, but Shane Steichen's offenses were also kind of an enigma, and they definitely zigged when NFL defenses were zagging with the way NFL defenses decided to kind of pull back more and not allow big plays as much. That Tampa 2-type defense becoming uh, more prevalent to avoid explosive plays. Uh, thank you, Kansas City Chiefs and Tyreek Hill for that. And so that that'll be interesting because... If Jonathan Taylor comes back 100% and then Anthony Richardson looks the way that people think he looks, this is why Anthony Richardson is one of my top dynasty picks because this could be extremely lucrative. Shoot, it might even be a lucrative redraft pick for Anthony Richardson. Best ball, especially uh, in, in Superflex, I'd be taking Anthony Richardson number one overall, no questions asked. Um, as, as we discussed with Dave Heilman the other day. So that is something that I would be considering also. And then um, looking at the fifth, it was given to Chicago Bears. It's great for Justin Fields. I don't think that the Bears can use him as a rusher as much as they did last year, but this could be extremely good for the likes of DJ Moore, that whole backfield that they have going on there with Rashawn Johnson, Herbert, and... Uh, Deontay Foreman that could also be very very good backfield to almost just buy the whole thing it's going to be cheap and we don't know which guy's going to go off or who's going to be the bell cow I'm going to assume it's going to be Herbert or Foreman and they're going to mix in a little bit of Rashawn Johnson I'm still not too stoked about Rashawn Johnson as a long-term answer for the Chicago Bears but if I have him surrounded by some vets and he's just a change of pace guy, I'm not going to say no. And there's going to be a week where Rashawn Johnson probably gets some goal line opportunities. But in terms of the three down back roll, I believe that that's going to Herbert. And I this will I hope that the Bears do this because they cannot afford to have Justin Fields get knocked around like he did last year in the pass game, or, well, not in the pass game, but in the rush game. It was great that they were able to add some of those Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson plays to uh, Justin Fields' playbook and uh, schematic-wise, but I, at this point, if I'm Chicago, I really want to protect Justin Fields at all costs. I think this could also be really good for Cole Komet here, coming into year two, or coming into year three, I should say. Um, tight ends uh, mature, uh, like a fine wine, and Cole Komet could be on the verge of a really big year, especially because they got some additional threats in the receiver game. Uh, I really like Tyler Scott, but that's more of a dynasty play. I don't anticipate him being a fantasy world beater his rookie year. He, there's there was no um, there there was no crazy you know, roster changing wide receiver, in my opinion, in this year's rookie class, like there was last year or uh, two years ago with Chase. So um, yeah, I would just pump the brakes, make sure that I have my expectations um, accordingly. I, I saw something crazy today. I saw people on one of the Facebook groups, 
saying pumping Jeff Wilson's stock, uh, saying that he's going to be D Hop's replacement in Arizona. I'm not going to say no to that. It is interesting. Um, maybe if I had a four round rookie draft, I'd take him, but I I don't think so. I mean, it's just kind of a it's kind of a reach if you ask me, and I think it's uh, desperation uh, looking for clicks. So. Take that with a grain of salt, but if you want to take a waiver on him, I'm not going to say no. And like I said, I always hope I get proved wrong, so there's that. But um, regardless of that, yeah, um, New Orleans Saints, Atlanta Falcons, Carolina Panthers, Indianapolis Colts, Chicago Bears. Um, easiest strength of schedules from the top five, according to Sharp Football Analysis. And you can uh, check this out. Warren Sharp has it pinned to his uh, Twitter right now. It's his top tweet, so... NFL strength of schedule, and then let's let's look at the most difficult strength of schedules, which starts with the, well, so the most difficult strength of schedule, according to Sharp Analysis, is the New England Patriots, and we're going to see why here, because this is something that could be interesting. Let's see here. So, um, yeah, it's... Uh, it's, I mean, at least they got home games starting it out, which that might... So they got the Eagles, though. They have the Eagles in Foxborough for week one. Um, and I, I think I'd skew Eagles for that one. And then Miami comes to New England. And I just feel like you never want Miami to come to New England in September when it's still nice out. I want I want my Miami to come to New England when it's uh, it's December. Uh, I, don't, I don't want them coming to... Foxborough when it's uh when it's September and still has a potential to be 70 80 degree days so not not good um traveling to the Jets traveling to the Cowboys Sunday 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 I I'm not seeing anything crazy here just a lot of Sunday games and then oh so they turn to a Thursday on December 7th uh go into a bye and then do a Monday night on December 18th and so that is when Kansas City will be coming to town for them. Um, it's not, I don't know if the schedule is as bad as as they say it is for them. I think that New England has a decent shot here to be productive. Now the question is, what what is their roster going to be like come time for some of these things? I do think that they might have some diamonds in the rough there. But it's it's still rough. Uh, it's still rough up there. It's not it's not New England that it once was. And now that the division just got more difficult with Aaron Rodgers coming to New York, New England's gonna have tough sledding. So and then Buffalo Bills coming in with the thirty first, thirty uh, first strength of schedule. So this is a difficult schedule for them as well. Interesting how similar division have similar strength of schedule based on who teams play um who do the who do the new england new england outer division are playing it looks like new england plays is it the nfc south oh nfc east okay so they play the new england patriots play primarily for out of division the nfc the nfc east so that that's not the easiest division considering 
um, the volatility of climate and time of year when they're playing them, that that would attribute to some of this, which is why I think Buffalo must have it as well. Because if we were to take into account the NFC East was a really strong division last year, and that is not necessarily the easiest atmospheres to go into. So they're playing in Orchard Park twice for Buffalo. Wow. Okay. So Orchard Park twice for Buffalo. And then the Pats, do they have Orchard Park twice too? Is that what's going on here? Because that, that, that's not necessarily the easiest place to play either. Um, it, I mean, don't get it twisted. Like New York, great. But it's still, I mean, those fans are... They come out, they're big, and the Giants are the Giants are clicking right now. So let's see here. I bear with me as I'm as I'm looking at this. I don't have it side by side right now. Um, as I go back into New England's schedule here, looking at it, so they have they obviously do home and home with the Jets is in division. Wow. Okay. Wait. Orchard Park twice. Okay. Hold the phone. Orchard Park is where. Buffalo plays. So New England plays at um, East Rutherford twice. Okay. So then that means the Bills got the Giants at home. I apologize as I'm first looking at this right now. So yeah, that's interesting. Regardless of that, I the Giants are a tremendously well-coached team by Brian Dable and company there. So I would not be interested in playing the NFC East as much as Washington has been kind of meh. Sam Howell, we don't know, and uh, he doesn't know what he doesn't know. And this is his first year starting. is should be quite interesting, um, seeing as we didn't really see much about him. But he had a decent, he had a really good college career, um, so that'll be something to watch for. I feel like I'm. I'm not, I'm not saying that is upside, but I feel like anything's an upgrade for Washington compared to where they were. So there's that to, there's that to chew on. Um, yeah, so that would explain why the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots are considered to have two of the hardest schedules uh, because of that piece where the NFC East is their division that they are going to be uh, cross-conference playing and that's not necessarily the easiest so um, coming in with the 30th uh, strength of schedule from a difficulty standpoint um, Kansas City Chiefs and this would make sense considering that they won their division so obviously they're playing the the top tier of their division and uh, yeah this isn't this isn't easy so they're kicking things off on Thursday night. Detroit's coming to Arrowhead, which is super weird why the Lions are the first game uh, of the season. But it's also where the NFL might be hedging their bets, thinking that the Lions might be one of the best teams in football. I don't know. Um, we shall see. Then they travel to Jacksonville. That's a tough place to play. Um, and then, yeah, at New York, so against the Jets, that actually wow so this that game if Aaron Rodgers is and Patrick Mahomes are both healthy on October 1st that'll be the first time those two guys have ever gone head to head against each other they never went head to head against the Packers because um that was the one covid game that Jordan Love started and then there was a game where um Patrick Mahomes backup played instead of Patrick 
and when the Packers uh, they played. So each time uh, Patrick and Aaron could have played against each other, the State Farm rivalry, it's never happened, actually. So um, they've never been head-to-head against each other in a game. So this could be the first time that actually ever happens. Um, so yeah, traveling to New York, not easy. Traveling to Minnesota, not easy if I'm the Chiefs. Traveling uh, next road games at, uh, wow. So they got Denver really close, uh, like two weeks apart. So it goes Denver, Chargers, Denver. That is aggressive. Um, and then, yeah, so so you got Kansas City, Kansas City for divisional games, and then uh, Denver, and then you're bringing in Miami. Uh, that is at, oh, that is not, and that's, oh, shoot. That's in Germany. So, okay, no wonder this is so difficult. So the the Chiefs have a stretch here um, from October 12th to November 5th. Um, divisional game, divisional game at Denver. So Denver, Los Angeles, Denver, and then they travel to Germany to take on Miami. That is, that is far from ideal if I am uh, the Chiefs. At least I have a bye. But then coming out of that bye... I get to play the. I get to bring in the Eagles, who I faced in the Super Bowl last year, who are gonna want to rip my heads off. At least it's a Monday night game, but still, that is aggressive. Wow. Okay. And then I got at Vegas, at Green Bay. I totally understand where this one. This schedule might. I think this schedule might be more difficult than New England's. Wow. Okay. Um. <laughs> then I got Cincinnati here too. Um, get to go to New England. <laughs> this is not an easy schedule for the Chiefs. Holy smokes. Uh, facing the NFC North, uh, for the, uh, for the out of conference, uh, car wash. And that is whole, oh, okay. The, I think the Chiefs might have the most difficult schedule, uh, in the NFL. So there's that. I mean, still a lot of fantasy production on that roster and Buffalo's roster for that matter too. So, but I think the Chiefs might have it a little bit more difficult um, from that standpoint than some of these other teams. So, and then they have Vegas up here uh, as the as one of the top five most difficult schedules. So uh, let's see why let's see why the Raiders have it so tough. Um, if looking at it here. Um, yeah, so kicking things off at Denver, then going to Buffalo, that's kind of gross. That's difficult for Vegas. And then they're hosting the Steelers, traveling up to LA. So three of the first four games on the road, I'm saying that they potentially are 0-4 here. Then bringing the Packers in-house, I'm just going to chalk that up to a Packer win because that game's going to be more of a Packer home game than a Vegas home game, if I know Packer fans and the way they travel. So, New England, then they get to go to Chicago, to Detroit. Oh, man. To Indianapolis, to Kansas City. Okay, but that's a division. We expect that. So, Vegas has a couple of cross-country trips for away games that aren't the easiest trips to make. So, on a back-to-back, like, yeah, you just got... so. They're going cross, so they got at at Denver, which that's typical for them. They should be prepared for that. Then they travel cross country to Buffalo, um, and then in 
And then on October 22nd, they get at Chicago. And then the next week at Detroit, two cross-country trips. I don't think that they're going to fly back to Vegas that between that week of Chicago and Detroit. There is no point in going back to Vegas um, unless you want to have more jet lag. And then you have at Miami and at Indianapolis. That is aggressive. So you can just see based on these road games what it's going to take. And uh, I don't know if Vegas is as buttoned up as they think they are. Obviously, it could be wrong here. Jimmy G, Devontae Adams, very strong leaders. They have some defensive standouts, Max Crosby, etc. A lot of fantasy relevance here that could be that could be very beneficial to fantasy football, but I don't know if it's necessarily beneficial for the Vegas Raiders to get some dubs. And then um, with the next uh, hardest strength of schedule, it's the Miami Dolphins. They have the 28th strength of schedule here, and this will be the last one we really look at. I could I could go ad nauseum the whole episode, but I'd bore the crap out of you. And I'd rather have you all read the article and come up with some of your own analysis. So looking at Miami's strength of schedule here, let's see why they it's as difficult as they say it is. So I guess, you know, starting off the season at Los Angeles and at New England is not necessarily the easiest. So yeah, you got you have three of your first four games on the road. That's not the easiest. You get to travel to Philadelphia. You get to travel to Kansas City, you get to travel to Washington Commanders, and you get to travel to Baltimore Ravens. I am not buying the difficulty in this schedule here, outside of the fact that their division got a little better. Um, They are playing the NFC South, and I think that Miami might be a little stronger than some of these NFC South teams, so I'm going to take this some of this with a grain of salt. And... Yeah, I. regardless of that, um, it could be very interesting to see ultimately what happens here. So, of course, like, uh, we don't know right now. I am, I am throwing darts in terms of what I think, who I think is good and who I think is bad in May of 2023 for a football season that doesn't start until September. So I could be completely off base with a lot of my takes here today. But this is just sort of what I'm looking at from a strength of schedule standpoint and how I can use these elements to better my fantasy football roster. And with some of these teams that have very difficult strength of schedules, I recommend drafting deeper in those leagues because because of those teams having more difficult strength of schedules, they're going to have to go to the well a lot more than potentially other teams. And so maybe if I have an extra draft position or some extra you know, extra salary for auction situations, I can get some of these backups for cheap um, to potentially be starters on these teams because of the degree of difficulty of these schedules. So we're not saying that this uh, this information is gospel here because we can pot- we can go back at Warren Sharp's book last year, see where things might not have been as accurate. I'm not sure where he had the Giants last year, but the Giants definitely outperformed expectations exponentially and Daniel Jones would actually have been a really good fantasy football quarterback for a lot of people um a lot better than a lot of options people were throwing out there shoot I would have rather had him than Lamar Jackson some weeks just because Lamar Jackson wasn't available so put that all into consideration 
when you're going into these circumstances and when you're going into your fantasy football drafts. A lot's subject to change. Uh, we don't know what will happen in September. Who's going to get better over the summer? There's still some free agents out there. There's still some ways that these teams might surprise us. And uh, I'm not going to say that everything is pretty. We don't we don't know who these teams are. Preseason's not going to tell us who they are. All we can kind of evaluate is what we have seen from past performances of the coaches and the players that have always done well in fantasy football. So in terms of who's going to have regression, I, th- I anticipate there will be some, and I anticipate there will be some inflated numbers as well with some of these teams because uh, the Saints could have a really good fantasy football implication situation, and it could equate to a lot of wins for them. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they're a good team just because their strength of schedule is as good as it is for them. Same with the Falcons and the Carolina Panthers. Like I said, now, (laughs) you look at the other team in their division, Tampa Bay, they're they're on 13 there. And I anticipate that they're 13th because that Vegas thinks that Tampa Bay is not as strong as the other teams in the NFC South. And that'll be interesting. And then on top of that, when you go down the line here, um, the AFC South is right up there with the ease of schedule. So, Texans, Tennessee, Jacksonville are all there as well in the top 10 with Indianapolis. So we can already tell based on where the where Vegas thinks the strength of some of these divisions are by the by the strength of schedule here. And it's not necessarily going to be that. There's going to be one team that will stand out from the rest of the pack and there and that team will have fantasy football players that will stand out from the rest of the pack in their respective divisions. So now it comes down to figuring out who we think those top teams are actually going to be by who has the best players in the key fantasy football positions and where the inefficiencies in those defenses are that that position group will be able to take advantage of come time the NFL season. And I think that the NFC South and the AFC South have inefficiencies in their whole team makeup that could be exploited and that could capitalize in fantasy football potential outcomes and points by those respective players in position groups that are matched up against the defensive liabilities on those other teams. And that was a mouthful that I just said there, but trust me, if you're following with me, this makes sense. So evaluate the strength of schedules, look at those key players that have had success on those rosters and who might be poised for bigger roles in 2023, and I think that that will bode well for fantasy football success. I hope this helped. I hope this wasn't a bunch of gibberish, but it made sense to me a little bit, and I hope it made sense to you. So that's kind of the strength of schedule. I recommend looking at sharp football analysis for this whole piece of the pie here and do some more deep analysis. Understand that. Um, I hope that your rookie drafts are going well if you're still doing them. Um, I have mine next week, so knock on wood, wish me luck. I'll have another episode out before then, uh, before my rookie draft. And I don't know if I, I don't know what to do with that episode. I might have somebody on that might be able to coach me up a little bit, or uh, maybe we'll talk about something else like college fantasy football or things like that. Um, big things happening with the show. Going to be some changes. Um, but we're going to keep it fresh and keep it light as always. 
I hope this episode was beneficial to anybody that's out there listening. Wish you all the best in your rookie drafts if you still have them going on. And uh, keep scouting those fantasy football uh, potential blowups. And, uh, of course, reach out to the show. Tweet us at the Twitter and uh, email us at fffpod at protonmail.com. This is Brandon with the Phantom Fantasy Football Podcast. It's been a pleasure as always. We'll see you in the next episode.